The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will... Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful for this season of Advent, um, this time that we get to intentionally reflect upon the birth of Jesus. Um, And just as Brooke was saying that you weaved throughout history um, Christ, and that is so evident through your scriptures, um, that you were working everything together to lead up to this moment of Jesus being born. And we're just so thankful, God, that you chose to to come to us on earth through being born, as a baby, not coming in um, as a king quite yet, but, but in a humble way um, to just two seemingly ordinary people. Lord, this is such a, a miracle. Um, we are just so thankful that you've revealed this to us um, as your church. And God, I just ask that um, during this time, this would be just refreshment um, to our souls. I know that a lot of us um, are growing weary by this time of year, um, and this season sometimes can bring just a lot of hard things with it, um, Lord, but you are just our unwavering hope, um, and we see that through, through the birth of Jesus. Um, so we just thank you. We give you praise. Um, we just rely on you this morning. We ask that you would speak to us um, through, through the message this morning and that we would grow to um, adore you more and to love you more. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. All right, well, good morning. Um, if this is your first time here, my name is Randall. Uh, I just want to welcome you. Uh, I get to be the lead pastor here. It's a great gift uh, to be with you this morning. And uh, we're in this time of Advent. Uh, we're in the season of Advent. And, and what that is, uh, is during the, the month of December, as we anticipate Christmas Day, uh, it's this, this, this feeling of there, there's an arrival. There's an anticipation of an arrival that's coming in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, And so when we think about Jesus coming, it's not just another person coming. We believe this is God with us. God with us. I was having a great conversation with my kids on the way to school this past week. Uh, We're driving and and we're heading uh, down the street. And and all out of nowhere, my my daughter just kind of starts talking about God. you know, they, they've been studying different religions at their school. And, and one of the things that she said was this. She said, you know, um, I was talking with one of my friends and saying, you know, I believe in God. And, and her friend tells her back, God is just a fantasy. God's just a fantasy. Now, my daughter is five years old. And she's having conversations with her friends about God and, and whether he's real or not. And so there's this discussion that breaks out between my youngest, my five-year-old, and my six-year-old. And and my six-year-old says, well, well, how did any of this stuff get here? How'd you get here? You know, and she just starts arguing about, like, all of these things. Like, she's like, well, who created all this? And she's just getting really intense. Like, how did, how did all this happen? 
And um, my five-year-old's like, well, I believe that God is real. I believe he's real. And so when we come to this time of Christmas, you have to have those types of conversations. You have to say, okay, is this a fantasy or is this real? Did God really come or did he not? Because when we look at Jesus, he breaks through into our lives in a way where we can't run from the questions. We can't. Because he says he is God with us. See, Christmas is the belief that the creator, the creator of all things, came face to face with his creation by becoming one of us. That's why authors like C.S. Lewis said, you can't make this stuff up. Like, like it couldn't have been a man who made this stuff up. It's just too fantastic for us to even fathom that God could become a man. Well, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 1, or 18 through 21, the, the scripture that we're going through today, it, Matthew is crying out to us saying, he came, he came, God came, but why? Why did he come? And so the, the, the message today is the reason he came, the reason he came. Here's the question. Why did Jesus come? What was his mission? Was it to cause this culture war of the meaning of Christmas and we argue about it? Is that why he came? Or did he come for something so much more? Well, Matthew tells us why he came and he tells us in verse 21. Here's what it is. He says this, verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. First uh, Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So when we boil down, what, like, what is the reason? Why did Jesus come? This is it. Ultimately, God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. He was sent into the world not to be a good example, not to be just a nice teacher. He came to save us from our sins. What we find in Scripture is that Jesus came on a rescue mission. Again, C.S. Lewis says, The Son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. So what is it that Jesus came to save us from? We talk about sin. Sin. See, it's the thing that separates us from God. We say, well, what today is sin? What is it? Well, it's very multifaceted, but beneath the surface, here's what it is. It's the belief that I can save myself. I can save myself. I personally, like we don't say this on social media. We don't put it out there like this, but, but ultimately it's this. It's, it's that I believe I'm in control of my life. I'm the God of my own life. I can do what I want and I don't really need God. See, in many ways, what it is, it's pride. It's the belief that I can do it. And what that is, is this belief that's gonna hold us back from truly experiencing what Christmas is all about and why Jesus came. Because he came to be a savior. Not just a good teacher, not just a good example. He came to be savior. And so again, today's text just beckons us, calling us, saying, will you accept that you and I are in need of a rescuer? Will you see why Jesus came? 
He came to save sinners. So our text again is Matthew 1, 18 through 21. And, and just to give some background, um, last week we talked about that first part in Matthew 1, uh, 1 through 17, the genealogy of Jesus. And like we talked about last week, it's one of those parts of scripture where it's easy to just kind of glaze over it. You know, our, our, we're just like, okay, yeah, I get that. Why is that in there? Can't we just get to the Jesus being born part? But this is so important because what this tells us is that all the way back in Genesis, when sin entered into the world, in Genesis chapter three, that God had a solution in Genesis 3.15. He said that he was going to send a child that would crush the head of Satan. And so Jesus was already predicted all the way back in Genesis 3.15. And then we see this progression all throughout history where God says, I will come, I will come, I will come, I will send a savior. But Jewish thinkers thought it was just too much to think that actually God could come himself. He's gonna, he's gonna be like among his people, but like for God to become, no way. No way is that possible. But again, Matthew a Jewish man is now saying that Jesus came and he's God. And so how does he save us from our sins? Well, there are three ways and we're gonna see it all through this text today and we're gonna break this text down. But here's what it is. By number one, taking on humanity. Taking on humanity. Number two, becoming weak. And number three, Carrying our sin, carrying our sin, taking on humanity, becoming weak, carrying our sin. And so the first one is this, taking on humanity. Look, look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Here's what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. What we see all the way back in Isaiah 7, 14 was this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So all the way back in the Old Testament, what we see is that God himself says, okay, here's the sign of the Messiah. Here's the sign of the Savior. There's going to be a virgin who will conceive and give birth to a son. This is extremely important. And it's really simple, but it's important. Jesus was born. Jesus was born. Again, I have three kids, okay? I've been to the birth of all three of them, and it's scary. It's messy. There's a lot involved in a birth, okay? And so what we see is that Jesus was not exempt of being born, but he came into the world just like you and me. And we find out through Scripture that Jesus lived a full human life. Luke, 24, uh, Luke uh, 2 says that he grew. Uh, John 4, 6 says he was tired. John 19 says that he got thirsty. Matthew 4, 2 says he was hungry. Matthew 4, 11 and Luke 23, 26 says he became physically weak. Luke 23 says that he died. And he had a a real human body after his resurrection, Luke 24. And so Jesus, in every way, became a human. 
okay? In John 11, it says that he had human emotions. Luke 2 says he had a human mind, okay? He grew, he thought. Matthew 26 so he had a human will. He says in Matthew 26, 39, not as I will, but as you will, praying to the Father. Right, and so Gregory of Nazinzin, I had to practice that one, said, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. So Jesus, coming into the world, born did not stop being God, fully God. Yet what we see is that God adds humanity, flesh to himself. He was born and he struggled. Why did he become one of us? Psalm 130 verse eight says, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. See, here's the thing we need to understand about all this. God didn't send someone else and say, go down there, go save them from their sins, go carry all their sins. God said, no, I will do that for them. In every way, I'll do that for them. Why? Because, here's the thing, here's what you and I have as we think about Christianity compared to every other religion in the world. When we talk about God being relational, he wants a relationship with you. It's not like he doesn't know what you go through, but he is actually able to relate to you because he's been through it. He's taken his own medicine. He said, okay, you'll struggle I'll struggle. But not only that, how did he choose to come? Because he could have come, became a human, and been born in a way that would have been seen as royalty. But instead, what did he do? He became weak. He chose, he chose to become weak. Look at verses 19 through 20. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, because this was a shameful thing. Jesus is born what would have been seen out of wedlock. It would have been a shameful thing that they would have taken on. It says he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God comes into Joseph's life and says, I know what everybody's going to think. I know that you're going to struggle. But will you take her as your wife? Because you are, a, you are a man that God has chosen to work through. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And here's the thing. God could have come in a lot of different ways. But he chose to come through two poor parents. How do we know they're poor? Because when they go to the temple to make a sacrifice, they bring pigeons. It was the least offering that they could have given. 
It was what poor people would have given. But God himself chose to come through Joseph and Mary into their life. See, God could have sent him in a lot of different ways. Why did God choose to send Jesus through a pregnant, unwed teenage girl? It's because he was willing to take on weakness. He was willing to take on weakness. And in taking on weakness, he could relate to all of us, even in our weakest moments. See, I want you to think for a minute. Like, what are the weaknesses that you have? What are the things that, that you're embarrassed of? What are the things that you want to hide and say, no, that's not really me? Right? I just want you to know that Jesus can relate. Isaiah 53, 2 says, he had no form or majesty that, he would, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. This is talking about Jesus' physical features, his looks. This is how he came. Hebrews 4, 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak and broken. That's who God comes near to. That's the message of Christmas. That those moments where we feel like there's no way that God could love me now. He was willing to come near to us. See, I had one of those weeks this week where I just felt like I was just missing the mark. Right, like I'm supposed to be somewhere and I'm like 10 minutes late. I'm, I'm supposed to get my son to this place and run into traffic and it's just like, oh man, we were doing a Christmas video, that Christmas video we're talking about. I was supposed to be there at six. I woke up at six o'clock. Okay, to shoot the video. I'm, I was getting phone messages just piling up on my phone. And my wife got a phone call and answered it. And she's like, hello? And she's like, they're like, hey, Randall's supposed to be here by now. Is he on his way? And I was laying in bed like, huh, where am I supposed to be? I forgot. I forgot. Right? And I'm like, I'm just like, whoa, what is going on this week? It wasn't only me, I'm talking with my son, and he's just like, we had this conversation in his room where he's just felt like, you know, he's, he's, he's doing some really, you know, intense maneuvers. He does karate and stuff, and he like couldn't get it. And here's the thing about it, he just like, he just gets down on himself. Why can't I get this right? Why can't I get this right? Why can't I get this right? And he beats himself up. We all have those moments of weakness where we're just brought low and we say, man, how am I going to get through? Jesus looks at us and says, I can relate to you in your brokenness. I can relate to you in those moments where you just don't have it together. Let those moments be moments that point you to me. That's what the message of Christmas is. The third point is this, he carried our sin. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. 
He will save his people from their sins. What is the solution to our sin problem? What is it? Well, verse 21 says, you shall call his name Jesus. And here's what Jesus means. Yahweh saves. God saves. That's what Jesus' name means. It's that simple. Right? It's, it's like, what is the message all about? It's, it's that God saves. It's the simplicity of the gospel today. Right? You come here and you say, well, what am I supposed to do? What do I need to do to become a Christian? What, what is it? Do I need to just clean up my life and get things straight? No, it's receiving that simple message, those two words, God saves. So will you just say, I, I, you know, we talked about like, what is sin? A simple way to, to define sin is the middle letter I. It's all about me. I, 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 I. But it's rejecting that life and saying, no longer do I want this to be about me. I can't save myself. I need God to save me. I need him to come in. And when it becomes real for you, you'll see that it's everywhere. You'll see this message of redemption everywhere. Martin Luther once says, God writes the gospel, this good news that God saves, not in the Bible alone, but also on trees and in the flowers and clouds and stars. Why does he say that? Because now as we look at creation, right? Like we're in fall and everything, it looks like is dying. Everything around us is dying. It's the, the, the belief that there's going to be spring, that there's going to be resurrection, that there's going to be a newness that comes. And what we see is Jesus carries our sins, is that he didn't just say, I'm going to carry them, but I'm going to be the solution for them. See, why was it that God himself had to come? It's because no one lived a sinless life. No one could except for God himself. And so God goes through the difficulties in taking on humanity, taking on our weakness, taking on our sin and saying, I will carry it all the way to the cross. And what that does is it turns our winters into spring. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that does that. And so let me give you some takeaways and hopefully these are practical things as we come to um, the end here. How does Jesus' coming change us? I've got three ways. By number one, inviting us to surrender control. By inviting us to surrender control. Think about verse 21. It says, you shall call his name Jesus. Think about a mother for a minute. She's just gone through labor, right? Like that moment of what's the thing that I want to do more than anything? I want to name my child. I want to be able to name them what I want to name them. Nope, not with Jesus. See, Mary didn't have that luxury of saying, okay, I'm going to name my child. Why? Because in every way, Mary had to surrender control of her life. 
It's faith. It's trusting that this child was born for a specific purpose and his purpose was to save from sins. His purpose was to shout out, God saves. And so again, like what is it that we are not willing to surrender control over, right, during this time? Because maybe it might be our past. Maybe it might be things that we, we are holding on to right now. And God is saying, I am inviting you as you see the child that came for you. Will you surrender control and say, it's not about me. It's an invitation. The second takeaway is this. Jesus is coming, changes us by freeing us to confess our sin. Freeing us to confess our sin. See, here's the thing. Here's the beauty of the Bible. It's not like God saying, okay, I'm gonna come. Surprise, they're all sinners. What's going on here? What? I came to save the good people. Uh, that's why I came. And I can't find anyone. What's going on here? God is not surprised by our sin today. And I hope that's refreshing for you. Right, like, because as I look through my week and I'm like, oh, what's going on? He's not surprised. And we think to ourselves, like, yeah, I get that. But still, I got to clean up my life, right? I got I to gotta get things straight before God will love me, right? Well, 1 John 1, 9 through 10 tells us, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, it's this invitation to be real, to be authentic, to say I am not who I need to be, should have been, could have been. But in every way, I need a savior to come in and, and he invites me to be real and authentic and say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is my sin. This is what's holding me back, God. See, there is no pretending with Jesus. Again, that's the beauty of Christmas. Lastly, it's seeing the dignity in all people. It's seeing the dignity in all people. See, Jesus restores the dignity of every human. I want, you know, one of the conversations, my wife's a teacher, one of the conversations that she's in right now, and it's very prominent in education, it's this. Dignity. Dignity of every human being. And for us as believers, as Christians, we're like, yes, yes. But without God, how do you explain that? How do you explain that? That every person is unique, that every person has value. When we believe that we just kind of got here, it was just an accident, right? Like how, how do we explain that? And so we've been having these great conversations. And, and one of the books that she read uh, was, was called Dignity, and um, it's by a, an a non-believer, uh, 
Dr. Donna Hicks, and here's what she says. She says, I, I heard recently about a man who was awarded a prestigious employee recognition award for his contributions to his company. By all accounts, the award was clear affirmation of his dignity. Yet, when asked how he felt about receiving the award, he said that he still felt like a number, that he wasn't really seen or recognized for who he was. Without an internalized belief in his own worthiness, this is her word, worthiness, unless his wounds from the earlier imprints to his dignity were cleansed and healed, he would not be able to appreciate any validation of his worth from the outside, no matter how much recognition he was accorded. No amount of awards, no amount of, hey, this is your worth, this is your value. What she's saying is there's nothing on the outside that could have healed this man until he internally says, I have dignity. Now, why am I talking about this when we're talking about Jesus? It's because Jesus came as a human, as a baby. The God became a human. I was talking with one of our, our kids, people outside. We were talking about just the littlest kid, right? Like babies, right? Little toddlers. I said, you know the beauty of Jesus coming as a baby? is that there is no part of your life that is insignificant. No part of your life that's insignificant. Why? Because Jesus didn't skip the baby phase. He didn't skip the toddler phase. But he lived it out all the way through, and he's saying that your life, from that very moment when you were born all the way till you die, it matters. It is significant. Because it was so significant that the Son of God lived it out. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, this is incredible. He says, in the incarnation, the whole human race recovers the dignity of the image of God. Henceforth, any attack, even on the least of men, is an attack on Christ, who took the form of man and in his own person restored the image of God and all that bears a human form. Through fellowship and communion with the incarnate Lord, we recover our true humanity. And at the same time, we are delivered from the individualism, which is the consequence of sin, and retrieve our solidarity with the whole human race. By being partakers of Christ incarnate, we are partakers in the whole humanity which he bore. We now know that we have been taken up and born in the humanity of Jesus, and therefore that new nature we now enjoy it means that we too must bear the sins and sorrows of others. The incarnate Lord makes his followers the brothers of all mankind. Here's the thing. Every person that you lock eyes with is a person that matters. And when we look at the Son of God, Bonhoeffer is saying that God becoming man restores the dignity of every human being. What other religion in the world can say that? What, what, what else can, can, can show that? You see, one of the things that Hicks says is that unless his wounds from earlier imprints of his dignity were cleansed and healed, he would not be able to appreciate any validation. Why did Jesus come? <laughs> He came to heal us from our wounds. 
He came to heal us from our hurts. He came to heal us from our pains. See, it's when we understand not only why he came, the reason, like the reason to, to forgive us of our sins, but the, the reason, like behind the reason, it was love. It's the thing that drove him. It was love. See, 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. Jesus took on humanity. He took on weakness. He took on sin, carried it all the way to the cross. Why? Because of love. You question whether God loves you or not? Look at the cross. Look at what he's done. You want to be cured from your sin? See how much God loved you and receive his love today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is not just some story, some fantasy that happened a long time ago that we just made up, but this is written within history. God, and as we think about the incarnation, just the, the, let all of these things come together for us. The power of God becoming one of us. Humble us, Lord, to see what this all means. We thank you, Lord, for being with us today. We thank you that Jesus truly is Emmanuel. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.